This is the English Heritage Podcast. Hello and welcome to another podcast into England's past. I'm Charles Rowe. Coming up, we find out about a new project to connect English heritage sites via ancient pilgrimage routes. It's a walk with soul. Get into the land, feel the weather, see the trees, see what stage of development that nature is in right now, see the very latest version of nature, you know. We're in southern England to test one out. It's not very far away from wherever you wherever you are in England. There's always going to be somewhere where you can come and do this. You know, here we are. And we find out how you can plan your own. All of that is just around the corner. But first, let's see where we're heading over the next few weeks. Here's a brief signpost to future episodes of the English Heritage Podcast. There would have been three courses with anything between five and 15 dishes in each course served simultaneously on the table, arranged symmetrically. It was a very complicated way of arranging things on the table and diners would help themselves and each other. It was under threat from developers, but Lord Ivor gave Kenwood House the estate and 63 of his finest paintings to the nation on the stipulation that it would be free of charge. I work as a visual artist. This is the first time they will have done it at Stonehenge. But what really interests me is heritage and crafts and kind of how we connect to the landscape that we live in and also how we care for the places that we live in. Make sure you subscribe to stay up to date. Now, have you ever thought about combining your passion for English history with exercise? Well, there's now a way that you can take in the beauty of the English countryside and English heritage sites while walking along some of our most ancient pilgrimage routes. The British Pilgrimage Trust has teamed up with English Heritage to create 10 walks across the country. Each one follows ancient pilgrimage trails, passing a number of English heritage sites that you can visit along the way. So I dug out my walking boots and headed to southwest England to meet Guy Hayward from the British Pilgrimage Trust and walk author Jason Goodwin, who came up with the route of the South Dorset Old Stones Way. Hello, gents. Hello, Charles. Hello. You must be... We're in the historic county of Dorset, famous for its natural wonders such as the fossil-filled Jurassic Coast and a landscape peppered with prehistoric landmarks. We meet at a picturesque spot at the bottom of a hill surrounded by trees, which opens out into a vast space filled by a giant lake that feeds a waterfall. Where Jason gives me a brief geography lesson. This waterfall we're standing by, you can hear it rushing. This is the spring, the source of the Bride, the River Bride. It's the largest, shortest river in England. It's only about 10 miles long, but it has more water in it than any river of comparable size. And it runs out to the sea down at Burton Bradstock. We're in Little Bready, or is it Little Bready or Little Breedy? It's Little Bridie. Bridie. Little Bridie, and there's Long Bridie, next village on, Little Cheney and so on. They go down all along the Bride, down to the sea. So that's... That's this valley, the Bride Valley. And Guy says there's a further connection. We finish today at St Catherine's on the Hill, where women go to ask for help in finding a husband. They would be the bride. We start at bride and we end at a different kind of bride with St Catherine. It's poetic and beautiful, I have to say. Before we start our journey, I'm asked to sample the waters. And I have this amazing water filter, a grail, and uh, it's called, effectively, you could say it's the Holy Grail. You just put some water in it, I, I, I plunge it, and then all the viruses and bacteria are removed. 
tastes very pure. Very pure. I must yeah. say, I'm, I'm getting a sense of why being next to a, a life-giving waterfall, yeah. that people would feel so relaxed and inspired and kind of spiritual when they go on a walk like this. The purest sources would have got fame. They would have become important places because they've been the best places to gather your water. And this would have been one of them. And so that's why they're holy. Think of it as wholesome or healthy or holistic. It's all about nature, really. Nature giving back to man, I suppose. Yeah, and this, these are the best bits of nature. We start our journey up the hill at Little Britty's Church of St Michael and All Angels, where Jason explains his thinking behind the route. We started it here at this church, and we ended a chapel. Go out of this valley and across, across, and then we get to the, we'll get to see the sea. It's a sort of full experience crammed into one day. And one of the things I like to do in a church is if you come across a church in your walk is to put something in the donation box. You know, that's actually literally, all these churches, they cost a fortune to run and they are medieval glories of the countryside. Um, and people ought to, you know, put something back in, I think. So that's what we do here. We start here and make a do small donation in the church box. And another thing to sort of register your presence is to write your name down in the visitor's book. Church wardens see that people have actually come and they think, ah, oh, it's worth my bothering to keep these churches going. So it really matters to church wardens, you, you writing your name in the visitor's book. Now it's time to start the pilgrimage proper. I asked Guy, who heads up the British Pilgrimage Trust, what the word really means. Because we think of it in a religious context, but when you look at the words and what they mean, they're not that religious, are they? No, pilgrimage comes from the, the Latin for, for stranger, peregrinus, which itself breaks down into two words, per and agar, through the fields. And so as a pilgrim, you are a stranger through the fields. These holy places that we're focusing on are just dots on a long line where a lot of it is walking through fields. Pilgrimage is a process that involves quite a lot of just being outside and not necessarily focusing on history or, or meaning of places or that through the field bit is, is where you have your, your relaxation of the mind and clearing of the mind, I find. We soon find the landscape opening up and eventually we reach a view of rolling hills. Inside one is the Valley of Stones. It's a megalithic site of sarsen stones that appear randomly as though sprinkled down the hill. At the high end, we find a roofless, ruined building, which Jason thinks could have been a church. Jason, this is just your theory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's part of the pilgrimage, isn't it? So you come across things and you puzzle about them and you wonder about them. When I first came here, I thought, yeah, this is an old barn with trees growing through the, through the floor and everything and the, and the fallen stones. But then I started, you know, then I, the more I looked at it, I thought, well, you know, but it's, here it is in its site. It's here just above the Valley of Stones. So it's in a very sort of numinous position. It faces east. It just has this feeling. It's kind of cruciform in shape. And it could so easily have been, so I got the more I thought about it, you know, how one does, you get enthusiastic about your own ideas, the more it seemed likely. And then, and then I started to see these sort of Gothic stonework. And I thought, well, that's, you know, open and shut case. I love the fact <laughs> you're like that. And, and with pilgrimage, one of the best things to, to do is it's childlike. And it's not about always being right, as it were. It's about sort of, asking questions of the landscape and, and just seeing the wonder and everything, just going, wow, what's that? And, then, and it's having that way of thinking makes you feel great by the end of the day because you're not usually like that. 
It's this sense of discovery that takes us to our next location. An English Heritage logo points the way before we find another marker. We're on the Dorset County Council public footpath as well, so I guess it's shared with English Heritage in a way. They're public rights of way, but it's certainly wanting people to go to its, its major site. Here we are, we're getting to close to the Grey Mare and her colts. As Guy says, we're looking for the Grey Mare and her colts, who are hiding behind a gate. We find out that it's the name of an ancient stone burial place, a long barrow. Which is very much sunken from its original splendor. But at some point, this would all have been covered, so the whole thing would have been set up, possibly with a sort of chamber within it, and, and then all these stones would have been covered with, a, with earth, so the whole thing would be kind of just blended back into the landscape. So we've got two stones that uh, standing stones, a bit like maybe similar to the heel stone kind of height at Stonehenge. Yeah. And then a lot of other ones which are just sort of collapsed. Yeah, well, this one's fallen over, but if that was upright, it would be large. That one there, which might have been a, you know, perhaps that was on top to create the, the chamber. Yeah. And one of these stones looks like it might have been the result of a glacier because there's lots of little pebbles and exactly. flint inside it. They're the same right? stone. Yeah, they're the same stones that we saw in the Valley of Stones where you get these composite, this sort of crunched up composite stones, sort of sarsen stone. So back in the Ice Age, this would have been rolling through these landscapes. Yes. That's how I suppose you get the phrase rolling hills. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I that's why she's called the Grey Mare and her cults. Well, why is this this long barrow called the Grey Mare and her well, cults? Who knows? Who knows? But I think you just have to, as Guy said earlier, you know, you have to use your imagination and let your, your mind run free. We can think up a hundred reasons why it might be called the Grey Mare and her cults. What's nice is that it is, that it's got a name. That, that childlike wonder at what these stones could be. You know, I think children are great around these places because they, they run around them and they, they investigate the stone. They're impressed by how big they are. And I think that it's, it's great to bring out the family at this point for these, these moments. The collapsed stones also provide our first glimpse of the sea. But before we can enjoy the fullness of that view, we're drawn to another ancient site. Eventually, we're edging towards Kingston Russell Stone Circle, which is owned by English Heritage and is the biggest stone circle in Dorset. When you see the stones from the edge of the field, it almost looks like there should be a fire in the middle hmm. and there should be a gathering of people and yes. there should be some sort of, shall we say, party. Yes, you see, you're, you're getting into it now. <laughs> you come to these places, look where we are. So we're at this sort of plateau, this hilltop, you know, you can still see down towards the sea there and the hill above Pummel there and the line above the sea. But it almost looks like it could have been a campfire. Someone would sit there and they'd bring the hunt, perhaps, get some pheasant and just have a big feast yeah. and a party, perhaps. But I don't know. again, it might be that these stones are aligned and sort of, you know, really kind of brilliantly to emphasise the rising, the point where the sun rises at a certain time of year or the... Or the, or the sun sets at a particular, in a particular season. There's the, all that side of things too. So mm. it may not just be a great bacchanalian sort of hoo-ha. It could be that this is actually a sort of scientific instrument. Mm. And that's another possibility. And certainly people think about that when they're talking about Stonehenge and other the great, the sort of great sites. And I suppose these are harder in, to interpret because the stones here, are the, they're like big sheep, really, lying on the, on the grass. And of course, once you're standing in the centre, then sort of do your 360 on the spot yeah. and you take in the entire landscape 
and then you looked south and you've got the sea. It's a very elevated position. Mm. Coming to the top of a hill is, is a, it's, a, it's a trope throughout history in terms of holiness. And, and that, would have, that won't have been just a Christian or an Islamic thing. That would have gone back way, 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 way. Because you, you're, you're close to the sky. A few miles on, we're in Abbotsbury and close to the end of our quest. A grand sea view awaits at St Catherine's Chapel on the hill. We've arrived at the top of a little ridge in the village of Abbotsbury. It's um, a picture postcard scene, really, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Tell us what we're looking at. It's like a sort of child's picture book, Green Hill. It goes down towards where the fleet begins, and the fleet is that inland waterway behind Chesil Beach, that huge great bank of uh, shingle, and it runs all the way down to Weymouth, to Portland. You can just and, see a little bit of water glinting. You can just see it glinting there. And this is the head of it. Abbotsbury's the head of it. And there's a famous swannery here where the swans breed. But here, looking across, so looking over this, this, this lovely hill against the hill, you've got the old tithe barn of the, of the abbey. And it's an enormous, great thatched barn, stone-built, fabulous-looking building. And what you see is you can see that it's roofed. It's only half its length is roofed, and it's still enormous. You can see the unroofed half, which was obviously you know, abandoned after the Reformation. And the rest of it underneath is ruined. And it's just ruined. So there's a ruined half, and there's an intact half, and the intact half is pretty ginormous. You see the church there, and then behind the trees there are other parts of the ruins of the old, of the old abbey. And this abbey was one of the really major abbeys of, of England. And It's a fantastic view, something that you could imagine an artist sitting down and mm. painting, because you've got... The dry wall in front of you, you've got the tithe barn, you've got the ruins, you've got a couple of other little houses, and then as you keep sort of scanning your eyes to the left, you've got the church, and then you've got the rest of the village, and, you know, the hills up in the distance as well. It's, it's quite a beautiful sight, actually. You can almost sit here for sort of 20 minutes and just enjoy it and watch yeah. the birds. Those hills you talk of, that ridge that you can see, is where we first glimpsed St Catherine's Hill on our route. That's the moment we came over the top and saw. St Catharines for the first time and, and Abbotsbury. That reveals a wonderful moment. The whole landscape until now, I have to say, has been stunning. It's, mm. it's a bit like when you opened up Windows XP in the old days and you would see all that blue sky and then that massive rolling green hill. And it's, it's been like that, but many times over throughout the journey. It's... Well, now, it's, I, I, mean, I don't know whether you feel it, but I feel this, we can see St Catharines Chapel at the top of the hill ahead of us. And that's our journey's end. And there's a feeling now of, we've done all that, we've pulled that thread all the way through, and now we're about to approach the end. And I tell you, when we get up there, we're gonna get such a view. Another gate on the journey to the summit. <laughs> One has to watch out for um, cowpats. Yeah. It's another occupational hazard of doing a, a heritage trail or a pilgrimage. You just see that, that shard there of, of um, ruin. Oh yes, that's... there's another one. That's the English heritage site of Abbotsbury Abbey and what remains of it. Ah, so we didn't quite see that when we were in that lower position just no. now. So it's between the church and the tithe barn. The tithe barn, yeah. This is the, this is the, the, the view of all three. It gives you some idea of the extent that the whole complex involves the tithe barn, that, that part of that ruined sort of apse that we can see and the church on the outside of it. A huge complex. So as we arrive at the plaque, we can see that the chapel was a place of pilgrimage, which obviously is why we're here. Fishermen in the bay here, Lime Bay, also known as Dead Man's Bay, 
could take a sort of triangulate on it and work out where they were, even in sort of you know in bad weather, because it stands up so proud. It's almost like a lighthouse, but without the light. And here we are on the south side. Where we get the sun. And we're getting the sun, and we're getting this absolutely fantastic 180-degree view from Portland Bill down in the down in the east and all the way up to the those green hills rolling away in the west. It's one of those things where you're supposed to be doing a podcast, but you have to sort of just look at it and almost stand there in silence and just take it all in. It's You've got so many different undulations, so many different colours of green and brown. All these acres and acres and miles and miles of sky and wispy clouds and the sun just glinting off the sea. And you can pick out the waves coming towards you as well. You can see why they've built it in this place. I think what I find is that, as you say, you know why they built it here. And that's rather amazing. That's like time travelling because we're like, these people aren't foreign to us, the people who built this six, 700 years ago. They have the same impulses that we understand their impulses. We could be them. You've been listening to the English Heritage Podcast. To find out more about the 10 walks that have been created with the British Pilgrimage Trust, just head over to our website. That's english-heritage.org.uk forward slash pilgrimage. We're back next week chatting with a food historian about what life was like for one particular cook who's now synonymous with Audley End House in Essex. Until then, thanks for listening. See you next time.